Hi, and welcome to another installment from PanicAttackRecovery.com, home of the free newsletter on Panic Attack Recovery. I'm Matthew Wagner. Hi, it's Matthew Wagner here, and thank you again for joining me for another podcast from PanicAttackRecovery.com. I appreciate you listening. Um, What I want to do in this podcast is I want to read a question from a subscriber to my free newsletter. One of the features that I offer subscribers is that they can ask questions and have them answered. This one uh, has a couple parts, so here's the question. Is there a way to get rid of panic attacks, or does one have to get used to them? The problem is that it is a handicap that no one can see, and life is just waiting for the next attack, which leads me to avoid people and open spaces. Some periods it can be easier, so my question is, would it be smart to go back in life like in psychotherapy? And the first question, again, first part of this question, rather, asks, is there a way to get rid of panic attacks, or does one have to get used to them? Now, I have answered, um, I have provided uh, various techniques throughout my newsletter and podcast about how you can alleviate and and, and work through a panic attack and, and help um, eliminate a panic attack. So I've made various suggestions, and I would direct anyone who is unfamiliar with any of these things to go back to... Uh, previous podcasts where this has already been discussed, or, you know, if you're a subscriber to my newsletter, then go back and and read the newsletters, rather than repeat answers to questions that have already been answered. Since this is a continuous series, podcast series, where I do build on things, and it's a continuous uh, newsletter, if you're a subscriber to my newsletter, I would just encourage anyone to go back. So I'm not avoiding the question, but I am redirecting anyone who is unfamiliar with the techniques that I've suggested on how to alleviate panic attacks to go back and and listen or read the installment. So I'll move on to the second part of the question. Um, Now, as you probably know as well, if you listen to my podcast and are a subscriber to my newsletter, I like to focus uh, at times on cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Um, I've provided various examples in which I've looked at Uh, different questions and and looked at the underlying thinking and statements from real sufferers and analyzed these for cognitive distortions. And then what we've done, because I really like to think of it as a collaborative process, is we've looked at healthier thoughts. And uh, what we've done is we've written down the healthier thoughts. So I would like to to continue this uh, process, and I'd like to look at these... uh, these questions. Now, let's just name this person Steve to protect anonymity, but it's best and easier to refer to um, a name when we're doing this. So we'll say the person that asked the questions was Steve. Um, Now, Steve mentioned going back to life in psychotherapy. Um, You know, I took from the statement that Steve's experience in psychotherapy has not been positive. So let's, uh, let's take a look at this. If Steve has been in therapy and it's not been positive and he's been giving it an honest and sincere effort, then he should at least consider switching or raising this point with his therapist. You may ask why. Well, first of all, in therapy, you're the boss. That is, either you or your insurance company are likely paying for the service. If you're unhappy with the service from a professional or business, wouldn't you switch? It should be no different in therapy. Second, it's going to be pretty hard to get better if you don't have a good report with your therapist. Many people, when they're having, um, when they find that they don't have a good fit, they will just drop it to therapy. But one great lesson or experience for anyone 
is that um, they could learn some assertiveness by indicating that they're not uh, finding there's a good fit and they're going to move on. Third, just like any people and professionals, therapists are not equal. You might just have somebody who's not very good or is not a very good fit. Fourth, uh, you should ensure you are seeing a licensed mental health professional, someone who is accountable to a regulatory body, in which he or she has to meet certain educational standards and someone whose practice is regulated. A simple question to your therapist could be, where, where are you registered or licensed? You can typically easily verify this online or by calling a telephone number of the regulatory body. Now, I'm sorry for diverting there a little bit because we, we dealt specifically with the a question about this person, Steve, uh, indicating, do I have to go li back in life in uh, psychotherapy? And the reason I, I jumped is because I wanted to clarify the point that if you're not happy in therapy with your therapist, then you should always consider switching because um, a lot of people get stuck here and then they conclude that all therapists are alike, they're no good, they can't help them. But, you know, you imagine yourself, let's say that you, you take your car to a garage and the mechanic there is... Uh, not a very good mechanic, and, and and you have a really negative experience because you pay too much and the repairs aren't properly done. Um, you might conclude, look, okay, all mechanics are to take my money, and they're not, um, they're not uh, honest. And of course, this would be a cognitive cognitive distortion because you're generalizing that all mechanics are the same, as would be the case with a therapist when you're generalizing that all therapists are the same. So. I want to move on now to actually looking at the cognitive distortions. So I'm just going to reread um, what this person has said. He goes on to say that the problem is that it is a handicap that no one can see and life is just waiting for the next attack, which leads me to avoid people and open spaces. Some periods it can be easier. Okay, so let's look at the cognitive distortions. now. You can get a list of cognitive distortions by visiting my website and signing up for my free newsletter. And you can work through these examples with me. Let's look at the first thought, where Steve says, the problem is that it is a handicap that no one can see. Now, it might not seem like a real distortion, but Steve can actually look at the situation more positively, so I would argue that it really is a distorted thought. Well, Steve indicates that no one is aware of his problem, referring to his anxiety and panic attacks, and I suspect agoraphobia too, if that's truly the case, and no one is aware of his problem, then it's one less thing to be worried about. You see, many sufferers often worry what other people are thinking about them. So that's another alternative way of looking at this. Alter another alternative is if Steve wants more people to know how he's feeling, then he has the option of simply telling them. For many people, this can be very freeing. You just need to state you're feeling anxious. If you're having performance anxiety, for example, simply stating you're nervous can make you feel better. This is the same thing, same way with anxiety, though any form of anxiety can be quite freeing. Now let's look at Steve's second statement, which definitely contains some distortions. So his second statement was, Life is just waiting for the next attack, which leads me to avoid people and open spaces. Okay, so if you have a list of cognitive distortions, try and find what distortions are present here. If you guess the following distortions are present, then you're right. Number one, Overgeneralization, number two, jumping to conclusions. And um, within jumping to conclusions, there are two subtypes. Uh, but the subtype that we're, we're finding here is fortune telling. I always say we because it is a collaborative process, or, or should be, because that's the way it's going to be beneficial is if you go through these things with me.
So let's look specifically how each uh, distortion is present. So first of all, overgeneralization. Steve's statement starts out with life is just. Clearly Steve is making a generalization when he says life is just. Because he's making a generalization about his entire life. Which is exactly what overgeneralization refers to. Such generalizations uh, do not hold up in life though, typically. Number two, jumping to conclusions, fortune telling. You'll notice that Steve's statement finishes with waiting for the next attack, which leads me to avoid people and open spaces. This is significant because the thought lurking in the background is that Steve can't go to open spaces or go see people because he's waiting for the next attack. Clearly Steve is predicting that he'll have another attack if he goes into an open space or a space where people are. This is not necessarily the case though. Let's generate some, again, some alternative thoughts. Try and go along with me here and see if you can think of some other ways that Steve could look at things. Okay, here's some alternatives. Just because at the present time, Steve feels a panic and anxiety. Um, I'm sorry, just because at the present time, Steve feels panic and anxiety. These things are not the only things he has in life. He has no doubt other things or interests in his life. He may be anxious at present. But over time, he can continue to work on his thoughts with cognitive behavioral therapy, for example, and utilize the various techniques he is learning along the way to alleviate his anxiety. Just because Steve may have had an attack or feared an attack coming on when he went into a place that contained a lot of people, uh, it doesn't mean it will happen again. While he may feel anxious, it does not mean for sure he'll have an attack any time he goes out. So as you can see, subscribers to this interactive newsletter have the chance to submit questions and have them answered, and then we work through thoughts. This is just one of the types of podcasts that I do and one of the types of uh, posts I do. And when I say posts, I mean publications on my website and publications in my newsletter. Um, it's a little bit harder to do auditorially through a podcast if you're not following on collaboratively. But if you go through the um, examples and it really makes sense to write them down, I think you'll find a real benefit in uh, looking at your thoughts. And even if this isn't a particular question, um, for example, the question we've discussed today wasn't a question on your mind or something that occurred to you, it can be useful to go through the process anyway because it will help you when you want to go through your own thoughts. So I do appreciate you listening and I hope that you'll listen in again. Take care. For more information on panic attack recovery, recovery from agoraphobia and anxiety, please visit my website at panicattackrecovery.com and sign up for my free and continuous newsletter. Thank you. psychiatrist or other healthcare providers consultation. Please consult a psychologist, psychiatrist or appropriate healthcare provider about the applicability of any opinions or recommendations with respect to your own panic attacks, anxiety and agoraphobia or any other symptom or condition.